Hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Enlightened Conversations. Each week, we invite guests to share their views on the world, work, and their personal lives in an enlightened way. Our hosts have been chosen especially to role model just how we do an enlightened conversation. This episode is produced by Michelle Lightworker and sponsored by the Lightworker Foundation. Hello everyone, I'm Jeremy Walker and welcome to Enlightened Conversations. Um, so a little bit about myself to begin with, this is my first episode for Enlightened Conversations. Um, my work I do in Brisbane is um, with Inspire Hypnotherapy, so I help people with addictions and weight loss, as well as with things like stress and anxiety, as well as relationship problems as well. Um, so I'd like to introduce you to my first guest today. Um, Jared, would you like to give a, a short introduction of yourself? Hello everyone, Jared Lestrange here. So I am a qualified personal trainer and nutrition coach. I live in Brisbane and uh, my passion now is for helping dads to become super dads, better dads, partners, providers and men with rock hard superhero physiques to match. So uh, Jeremy has been working with uh, me as a, as a friend and a business partner for many years now. And I'm really happy to be on Enlightened Conversations today with you. Ah, awesome. So we've known each other for about three, three and a half years, something like that. That'd, that'd be about right, wouldn't it? It is. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, Jared and I, well, we, we really started connecting probably around 18 months ago and we started to work out how can we start to you know, build a business together and, and help more people. Um, and then, yeah, helping out dads became the area that we really wanted to yeah, spend our energy and and contribute to the world. Um, so I wonder for yourself, um, I guess, having gone through the process of leading a group of dads, um, what have been some of the things you've learned and I guess some of the challenges that have come up for you um, in yeah, going through that process of leading a, a group of men and, and dads? Yeah, look, I guess when it comes to leading the group, what tends to happen for me for starters in having a big heart is just making sure that uh, I'm not taking on their own stuff. Um, you know, that I am holding myself, uh, you know, as, as the leader and making sure that the, uh, the collaboration with all the other coaches, I don't try and be the counsellor. I make sure that I get Jeremy and, um, and our counsellor Adrian on board to help all of these dads and, uh, I guess the biggest thing with the dads that's coming up is the overwhelm with everything that they've got on their plate and the confidence issues and the stress and anxiety and depression, which is, which is rife in, um, in our society and with a lot of these dads that, uh, that they're, you know, they're coping with um, in silence. So we've seen a lot of that come up in, in the programs and, uh, and that's probably been the biggest transformation that these dads have had through the program is just realizing that they're not alone in the struggle that there is support for them and that uh, we've got such a great team that uh, can assist them to overcome their challenges i can certainly relate to that and there's so many different types of dads there's the dad with you know one or two kids and and a wife the dad with six i think i even saw one with 11 kids maybe mm. some of them was partly from a blended family um there's obviously people with stepkids and, and this sort of situation um, myself i actually thought i had a son back in 2009 um turned out later on i found out he, he wasn't mine so there was, there was that experience of being a dad for a year but then sort of falling out of that role and i guess and there's also the single dads out there as well who are struggling and, and going through that process as well um, so I guess everyone has that different experience of, of being a parent and, and being a dad and it can be, um, I guess, a, a different type of challenge for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And look, the way that you've stepped up and coming back into, um, into that child's life and, and, you know, I guess being that father figure, uh, that's been really inspirational for me to see and, um, and your commitment to, uh, to spending time with him and, uh, you know, being that great role model, that's been excellent to see, Jeremy. Oh, thanks, man. And it was actually like a part of my life mission for you know, for three years when they moved away. I just held that intention with love to be there for him no matter what. And 
turns out you know, three years later they've moved back to the area and I'm able to basically restart that relationship um, with him now eight years old um, totally afresh and it's all, all going pretty well and he kind of he's really cute and he'll say to the neighbor oh Jeremy used to be my dad and then he was my stepdad now he's my godfather and now he's my buddy and it's just just way too cute <laughs> so I think he definitely feels the love and I guess knows that someone is there for him yeah mm. Yeah, um, and something been, I was. Oh, you go. Yeah, I was just going to say it's been great to see you sharing some of the challenges um, that you've experienced hanging out with him as well. Because you know, for you being part of this program with dads, I think it's so important for uh, you know for you to understand some of the struggles that that we're facing, and uh, and yeah, yeah, to see how you manage it is uh, is is good as well. Mm -hmm. I know, um, and certainly this will relate to both men and women, that parents in conflict over um, the ability to have custody of their kids and visitation rights and even just parenting in general, um, I think it actually took a lot of the pressure off for myself to be able to have no control legally over anything that happened with him. I just had to keep holding the intention with love and it allowed me, I guess, to let go of control, which I think was a, a really great thing just keep you know, communicating from the heart and, um, and yeah, hold that intention until it pays off. Um, I guess that may be something that uh, a lot of yeah, people in, in society or just that, that general consensus with dads is that they, we're not like big hearted and um, that it is about the love. But I think for everyone deep down, it, it is all about that. Um, yeah, well, what, what do you think about um, that, that side of things with dads and being those really loving guys? Well, we have noticed that there are a lot of devoted fathers out there that are experiencing some real challenges with their ex-partners and obviously the custody battle or uh, simply their partner talking down, um, you know, about them to the kids and uh, how that can obviously affect the relationship between the father and the children when they're together because of the bad mouthing of, of the mother. So what, uh, what I did do for the dads a little while back is I got two divorced uh, women who I happened to train together and we had a conversation, uh, a live Facebook video uh, for the dads in our group and we discussed how they managed the conflict in their past relationship and and the insight that these ladies had and the, uh, I guess, the, the strength that they had to, even though perhaps the, the, the man was creating some of the conflict, they were managing to keep a peaceful uh, relationship as much as possible by the way they acted, not reacted to the things that were going on. I think that was, uh, that was really inspiring for the dads to see that there are women out there that do want the best for them, even though they're not together anymore, um, for the betterment of the child. And, um, and obviously we encourage that vice versa for the, for the dad to be the, the strong one that doesn't you know, get taken down to the level of conflict or, or into the conflict and that affects the relationship with the children. Um, yeah, yeah, so... Interesting how both sides aren't the ones putting their hands up saying, yeah, I'm the one screwing things up or I'm the one causing the conflict. Everyone's like, it's always the other person, isn't it? But I think in all cases, there probably is both sides going on and there'd definitely be something that, that all sides can do. Um, you probably yeah. saw what I actually wrote, wrote this morning around sticking to the facts when having an argument, not yes. dropping down into any name-calling, judgments. Um, but really just sticking to the facts, arguing the facts, and I guess keeping that, that end goal in mind and not, not it being a much about a, like worrying too much about the personal attack, but just keep focusing on, on the end goal, which is, I guess, to have those, those good relationships. Mm. When, we, um, when we look at the work of Adrian Hanks uh, within our SuperDab program, obviously it is about, you know, conscious relationships and communication and then having that time each week that you set aside to work through the through the issues that are coming up so rather than uh you know something pissing you off and then 
you know, suddenly getting into this argument, leaving that until that right time to discuss it in a peaceful space. And that's certainly made a difference for a lot of the dads and, you know, in, including myself in my relationship that we know that there's that opportunity for us when the kids are in bed and when, you know, we have allocated that time where we're going to work on improving our relationship. Uh, you know, that's, that's been a, a really, uh, really good thing for, um, you know, for us to incorporate into the program is just um, before the communication breaks down and all of those problems arise, making sure that those habits are in place within the relationship to talk through things in a peaceful way. Gosh, and that's definitely one of my favourite topics, definitely the, the conscious communication, but actually scheduling it. Mm. Like imagine if we went through and we said, no, I tried to get that done, but it never quite, quite gets there. But if we schedule it for, you know, 9 to 9.30, um, yeah, it's something that's going to happen compared to something that might happen. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And look, that word try, I think there's so many dads out there that try and get in shape. They try to eat healthy. They try to improve their communication skills. Well, they say they've tried in the past, but really, um, really, I guess that word try, you either do or you don't, you know, it's like, if you want to pick up that pen, you don't try and pick it up, you pick it up or you don't pick it up, you know, and it's the same with a lot of these uh, changes that we want to make. I was listening to, um, to Mel Robbins just this morning and she has the five second rule where, you know, if you give yourself that five seconds to make the decision and go forward with it, whichever way you choose to, to turn, then, uh, you know, you're stopping that procrastination. You're teaching your brain um, to overcome that apprehension to, to make that decision. And instead of pulling back, you lean forward into the things that you know you need to do. And uh, so I was only just thinking this morning, you know, that, that five, four, three, two, one, I'm doing it. You know, it comes with getting out of bed in the morning to get out and do that morning walk so that you feel energized and you wake up your metabolism and you feel mentally and physically and emotionally prepared for whatever, you know, that the day brings you. Uh, you know, it's, um, it stands for so many things in our life to, to just end that procrastination and just give ourselves that countdown and just do it, you know. And that's one of the things that we... Um, we really promote with the program is, you know, it's, um, it's that motivation is fleeting. It's only there for a short period of time and then it goes again. We can't rely on motivation. So when it comes to doing those things we know we need to do, we need to adopt that just effing do it attitude and just get in there and, and do it, you know? So yeah. I, think I know there been... are some people, I know there are some people listening right now saying, I'm picturing my runners by the side of the bed and I know I haven't been out jogging for a couple of months now. So I guess is, is, there, is there a point where someone just does think to themselves, you know, this is it, I'm just going to go and, and start? I guess does, does it sometimes maybe feel like it's a, it's a big thing to do as opposed to just a little thing? Like just getting up, maybe not making it an all or nothing prospect where it can just be, yeah, I'm just going to go and do that walk or, or start that, that business or start that goal, make that first phone call. I guess, so how do people get to that, that starting point? Yeah. yeah. I know that you're a big one for, uh, for organization and, you know, scheduling in the things that you're going to do in each day, week, month, year, and, and really having that forward projection of what you want to happen. And I definitely think that's a, a really good way to start with exercise is that, um, so say, for example, you're at a party in a year's time and someone says, wow, you're looking amazing. How did you lose all of the weight? Why is your skin looking so radiant? You know, what have you done in the last year to, you know, to, to look so great? And, you know, you say, well, actually, I decided I was going to walk every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. I was going to go to the gym and do some strength training to improve the shape of my body every Tuesday and Thursday. On weekends, I take the kids out and we go and climb a mountain or we do something active. The way to get to that is obviously to schedule that in just like you do an appointment with a, with a doctor and you hold that appointment. And uh, Making and, it an appointment, yeah. 
Yeah, make make that appointment with yourself. Um, you know, for the betterment of your of yourself and how you'll you'll look and feel about yourself. Um, so yeah, definitely scheduling those things is a is a big step uh, for for starters. And it doesn't have to be every single day you're going to get up and and do it. But certainly sleeping in the clothes that you're going to be getting up in, and um, and you know not allowing those excuses that come up such as oh but my bed is so warm or it's too cold not allowing them to get the better of you and just getting up and getting out that door before you allow those excuses to get the best of you yeah yeah i guess it's that i guess it's that funny thing where there might be the the comfort of the bed and the discomfort of exercise but then there's all the also the discomfort of not exercising like when we do it, we feel great, but when we don't do it, we do tend to feel sluggish. And I guess that, um, yeah, the, the discomfort of results or the discomfort of kind of staying the same. Yeah. Well, we think um, about our friend Dean Matheson and, and his favourite book, The Slight Edge. You've, uh, if anyone hasn't uh, listened to it on audio book or read it yet, it's a fantastic book. And the, the premise of it is that the smallest things that are the easiest not to do are the things that are going to make the greatest difference to you. So, you know... And that book talks a lot about just a couple of small habits every day. So yeah. say if someone wanted to achieve a goal or start a business and they went really hard for two, three months and then stopped, mm. um, they might have got a bit of results there, but if it's not a daily practice, and I think maybe making some of these little habits into rituals mm. um, sounds like something that would be useful as well not just something that we do, but something that we make a part of our lives, like, yeah, the, like the good eating and the exercise and certainly other things as well, but making that a part of our lives more so than a, an end goal. Like I'm going to just do that just to get a goal, but actually make those healthy things a, a part of who we are. Absolutely. So, Jeremy, I know that you um, have these, uh, these seven cornerstones of health that you are very good at talking about. Can you, um, can you share with our listeners what your seven cornerstones of health are? Oh, right, yeah. Um, so I'll give a little bit of a backstory to how that came about. Um, back in about 2008, yeah, sort of about, about when, um, yeah, about the same time my former son had been born. Um, I'd had that experience of a slow decline in health, um, chronic fatigue and digestion problems, um, daily anxiety, um, what I saw, joints and muscles, felt like a truck had run me over every morning when I'd woken up. And I was already reading a lot of personal development books and just reading more on health, healing and human behaviour. Um, so out of reading 1,100 books on you know, all these different topics, certain things just kept popping up over and over again, like the way we use our breath. Um, oxygen is the number one nutrient that our cell uses and the more breath we get, the more our cells tend to function better. And that ties in so well with exercise because the more we exercise, the more we increase our breath capacity and, and we tend to feel better overall. Um, certainly around drinking plenty of water as well, um, that actually links back to the exercise as well. So the more water we drink, the more oxygen gets carried throughout our body. And um, I guess one of the other things with, say, water and like good food and around this breath as well, is to not see them as something that's, I guess, so much of a chore, but something that's an actual, like a giving back to the body as well. Something where it's, um, I'm doing a tough job selling air here, <laughs> selling air, water and food. Um, no, you're doing a great job. But stuff that makes us feel good overall, but doesn't have those downsides. So these things do help certainly with, with sleep problems, energy problems, and even with helping to balance our emotions as well. Um, but getting that not from the quick fix, but, but from those foundational things that really, really support us overall. Um, so number one was breath. Number two was water. Um, number three is around that real food. Um, one of the things I did in coming back from fatigue was in 2012, I gave up all sugar for a period of two weeks, um, including fruit just for that initial period. And my energy levels more than doubled after five days. Um, animals started coming up to me. Dogs would actually run from hundreds of metres away to come up because my energy was so much clearer as well. And I guess around some of those unhealthy habits, sometimes the thing we think we need, you know, the, the sugar, the marijuana, the cigarettes, the drink, the thing we think we need could actually be the thing that um, is holding us back overall there as well. 
Um, number four is around having enough body movement and exercise. Um, there's an 11 hour book, audio book called Spark, which goes into the science around just how good exercise is. Um, I just love that there is a book that is 11 hours long talking about the benefits of exercise. Like there's, there's literally hundreds of them um, from yeah, certainly energy to sleep problems. And again, helping to balance those emotions. Um, one thing I'll mention around stress and exercise is that anytime we get in the body and do something vigorous or spend some time getting back into nature, it gets us out of our thinking zone, gets us out of our emotions. Um, it helps to ground us and helps us to become more present. Um, so any to anyone, I guess, who has that mental overwhelm or has those difficult emotions at time, just to check in, um, when was the last time you were spending time in nature and spending time exercising? Is that something that is, I guess is sorely missed and, and may need to come back as well? Um, number five on the seven cornerstones of health is time to just be still. Um, I know for people who are really busy, busy, um, that being still can actually be a challenge. Just to pause and stop and be okay doing nothing sometimes is a, a really valuable skill to have there as well. Um, number six on my list of seven cornerstones of health is the way we use our self-talk. Um, I might have sent it to you in the last um, couple of weeks or so, but certainly sent it out to um, a lot of the super dads is those power questions. Yes. So when something goes wrong, how do we kind of turn that back around? Um, and I mentioned um, yeah, just recently we, we, with the guys in the group, if we're stressed, does that mean we're focused on problems or are we focused on solutions? Sometimes our mind can get bogged down in, in what has gone wrong, but how do we actually get that mind back to focusing on, on solutions and, and, what, and what can work as well? Um, so a couple of the power questions I think can be really valuable there would be things like asking what, what is great about this problem? Um, things like, um, well, what am I grateful for right now about what did happen? And say if there was a, a relationship breakdown or a loss of job or some other stress, um, what opportunities do I have now to, to turn things back around? And just starting to use our own self-talk and questions to, to come back out there. Um, and the last one on my seven cornerstones of health is to have some kind of passion or purpose, um, something where we're really giving to ourselves and doing what's authentically true for us or something where we're giving back to others and something that's of a, um, a giving back to the community and something that's not just about us as well. Um, I think if we have all seven of those working at the same time, um, things can definitely improve and, and things can yeah, just get better overall if we have those, those really key foundational things um, all in place at the same time. Mm. And the other thing I really um, love and have learned from you is that on the days when we're struggling the most, when we're the most stressed, uh, when something comes up in our life to really challenge us, so many times we can sabotage ourselves with food or alcohol or cigarettes or drugs or, you know, just not spending that time, uh, you know, in, in our breath and drinking enough water and, and eating the right food. So, you know, I love that philosophy on the days when you're struggling the most, that's when you need to look after yourself the most. And mm, uh, yeah, so on those bad days, should we look after ourselves more and not less? Like on a really stressful day, we probably need to pause and breathe and we need hydration and better nutrients as opposed to a good day. Yeah, yeah I like that as a way to turn stress around 180 degrees. On a good day, it's okay. we feel like we could look after ourselves a bit better. But on a bad day, we should really do it um, even more. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I guess... Yeah, I know uh, you... Oh, after you. Um, so I know you are a, a passionate vegan, um, both yourself and you've actually won a, a bodybuilding championship um, as a vegan and um, even your family, your wife and, and three girls all are as well. Um, I guess... And there's no one out there or very few people in the world who would actually wish harm on animals as a preference, but there's this resistance to making that change and seeing that animals do have rights you know, even before the legislation appears and, and making a change to you know, becoming vegan or close to vegan. I guess what are some of the, I guess the things that get in the way of people, like the blockages that get in the way of people starting to make that change? Uh, well, there's probably three that come to mind. Number one is taste. 
Number one, uh, number two is convenience, and number three is culture. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're brought up in a culture where it's very normal to chuck another snag on the Barbie. Um, you know, to to have a steak and uh, you know go to barbecues, and that's what you see on the barbecue. It's not it's not grilling vegetables or veggie patties. It's uh, it's that big slab of meat, and no. so I guess there's there's this um, there's this feeling as well that uh, that a lot of men hold on to that it's manly to eat meat, and also that you know vegans are hippies or that they're weak, uh, you know. And I think the thing that I love the most about living this healthy lifestyle and um, and meat and dairy and and eggs and all of those you know typical bodybuilder foods not being in my uh, in my nutrition is that I get to help to break down those barriers in people's minds to making the decision to move to a more plant-powered diet. So my story around that probably starts all the way back in 2004 when I went to Kenya on a self-funded missionary trip to try and save the world and in the second coming of Christ and ended up living in this mud hut in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and I had pretty much been on a plant-based diet because that's what the majority of the population over there were eating because they can't afford to eat a lot of meat. So, you know, they've, they've got their, um, their lentils and their beans and their orgali, which is their, their corn maize and all of their, uh, their fruits and vegetables and, um, you know, corn on the side of the road that's roasted over an open fire, and I was eating all of those, uh, all of those local foods, and um, and then I was living in this mud hut, and it was my last day of staying there, and they wanted to celebrate by killing a chicken and um, and cooking it up for me, and something just switched in my head where I had spent the last four or five days there, I had. Um, had these chickens coming up and pecking at some of the food I was eating and suddenly I thought, I don't really want this animal to die for me to eat. I'm quite happy eating all of these other foods I've been consuming during this time. And so that didn't immediately change for me um, or, or you know, make me change to a vegan diet. But when I did come back into our society, I think I started to think a little bit differently about the you know the 7.99 chicken breast that I was consuming and then I was training a client at the gym who was vegan and she started to ask me some some questions and then tag me in things on Facebook and I watched a couple of educational films forks over knives and um and what else was there um earthlings and I guess I started to connect with where my food was coming from, what was in it that I had no idea of, you know, the hormones and the steroids and the antibiotics in the 799 chicken breast. And so I started to, you know, get the organic chicken breast. And I think I was paying 18.99 per kilo, but I was breaking the bank trying to be a, an organic bodybuilder. And no, so- I remember I worked at Coles about 16 years ago and yeah. when they were on special, they were 799 then. Like they used to be $15 a kilo 15 years ago how have they halved in price when they should have actually more than doubled in that time if you go by the numbers like what are they doing to the chicken now as well Hmm. well look i think uh these days the the hens are actually uh being brought through to slaughter in about three months so you know it, it is what they're obviously feeding them uh you know and and how they're kept and and obviously what's in their food that, uh, that is allowing them to, to grow to that size very quickly. And, you know, I've, I've seen the footage of these chickens that grow so fast that their little legs can't hold them up. Um, so, look, there's, it really is education, but then it's also about, uh, for me, I talk about all of this education that I gave myself. Basically, it was like I had been throwing down the, the Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole and you know, I could have gone back to my normal way of eating, but I decided not to. I decided to see where that rabbit hole took me in it. You know, it, it, um, at, the, at, the, 
at the end of that fall, it, um, it allowed me to see that there was this whole new world of nutrition out there that didn't include animal products and that it was nowhere near as hard as I thought it would be. And, you know, I spoke to a number of bodybuilders who had made the transition and achieved these incredible results, including, uh, including one who had won the natural Mr. Universe. And suddenly I went, okay, this isn't so hard. What am I going to eat? Let's commit to this. It was six months to my first bodybuilding competition. And I said, this is what I'm going to eat. And I stuck to it. And, um, Lo and behold, I actually was the biggest and best I had ever been on stage. I think within a few weeks of making the transition, I uh, lifted weights that I never had before. Uh, my skin improved because I had cut out that dairy. Um, you know, my recovery improved. I just, I just felt a lot lighter internally because I guess what, uh, what people don't think about is that you know, we look at the physiological um, makeup of a carnivore, for example, and their digestive tract is one and a half to three times their body length, whereas ours is nine. So by the time that heavy meat meal has passed through our body, it's, um, it's been in there for, you know, 24 to 48 hours. Whereas if you consume a plant meal, it's, it's being passed through so much faster, you know? And I went and uh, my lovely mother gave me a colonic therapy as a present one day. And I actually went and got, got that. And, um, and the amount of stuff that was passing out just scared me. And I thought, what have I been doing all of these years to, you know, to my digestive tract? And I just felt clean. I felt good. I felt like it was a reset of my body. And I felt like instead of going on this fancy detoxification diet, just by reducing those animal products, my body was already detoxifying itself. So I like um, that, that you said, and I like that you said you were you were feeling clean, just that just that clean feeling. Yeah, cleaner, lighter, um, just healthier in general. And it's been four years now, and in that time, um, you know, you'll see me very soon on Australian Ninja Warrior. I trained myself up for that. It's a brand new show out of America that uh, was shot down in Sydney, and um, I did really really well in that. Uh, you know, I've, I've done obstacle courses and, and, you know, competed in, um, in competitions in that. I obviously achieved my best results ever as a bodybuilder. Um, I'm such an active, fit dad. I, I live this lifestyle every day of, you know, pushing my body to the extremes in whatever I do with my barefoot water skiing or whatever. And I just, I don't see that this change to plant-based diet has affected me in in any negative way whatsoever. So I guess it comes down um, for me to, if I can live happy and healthy on a plant-based diet without contributing to the unnecessary suffering of animals, why wouldn't I, you know? So um, yeah, I mean, there's a guy, James Aspie, who, uh, who I've become very good friends with and he actually took a vow of silence for a year and broke his silence on sunrise. I think this was 2014 now. But was this yeah. the one where it was being silent because the animals aren't able to communicate what they would want and need? Yeah. Was that the, yeah, like the right. theory behind that? That's right, that's right. So, um, yeah, like he's, I've seen him speak a number of times and he talks about, you know, about karma as well. And, and I think that, you know, for, the people listening to this today, obviously we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we are not producing bad karma in this lifetime. And if we think about the amount of suffering that the animal has gone through to get to our plate, there's no way that we can consume those foods and not be affecting our karma the way I look at it. It's, um, Seems I can like certainly see. I can certainly see in an, in an enlightened planet that there would certainly be substantially less meat eating worldwide. Mm. Um, what one of the things that the questions I think you asked me, amongst a few other bit, and after some research I'd done into a vegan diet and this sort of thing, um, which was when did the animal give me permission to to basically take its life to to eat it? 
And I thought, well, just logically it made sense. It never gave me permission. If I say that animals have rights and I believe in animal rights, what right did I have to, to go ahead and do that? Well, that was kind of a, a powerful and definitely a confronting one as well, that when did that animal actually give me permission to, to do that? I, well, I never did. believe that, that human beings are the caretakers of this planet. And yet we look at the amount of destruction that is being caused by animal agriculture. We're, we're creating damage to this planet that if we don't make a change very soon is irreversible. You know, we've, we've already created what, what could be seen as irreversible damage, you know. Um, if we were to die off as humans on this planet, the planet would thrive again. So we've got to look at what choices we are making that, um, you know, can contribute to the betterment of this planet and the ongoing good relationship, uh, you know, of, of human beings towards this planet and what we're teaching our children because they're the ones that are going to, you know, either end this world or repair it, you know. So I look at what I'm teaching my children, you know, we, we have chickens in our backyard and they are our best friends. We wouldn't even consider eating them and they wouldn't consider eating a, a piece of chicken that wasn't their friend because they understand and they have that relationship with that animal. I think that um, it's just so easy to love a dog but eat a pig, you know, to, um, um, to, have, um, to have bacon for breakfast um, you know, but we would never even imagine, you know, eating an animal that we have a relationship with. It's only that we, that we don't have that connection with that animal or we think that they're lesser than, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it makes sense to me to love all animals equally and to do the least harm I possibly can on this, on this planet. You know, I think that if, if the viewers were to watch something like Cowspiracy, if they're not vegan already, they would understand the impact that, um, that our choices are having on the planet and, um, and certainly, you know, start to, to start their own transition to a, to a plant-powered diet, you know, and, and choices in alignment with that. There's so many leather alternatives out there. There's so many um, organic, um, you know, cruelty-free products out there in, in terms of makeup and, and um, you know, shampoos and conditioners that aren't tested on animals. It's, um, it's becoming easier and easier every day to go out to a restaurant and get the vegan option. You know, it's, um, it's definitely not as hard as people make it out in their head. And yes, you do need to, um, you know, deal with some social anxiety perhaps going to people's places and they're not vegan and they're like what are we going to cook them or you know what am i going to eat in that situation um but i had a i had a fairly quick um quick turnaround with, with my relatives there was christmas time no there was before christmas they'd found oh you're vegan well, what do you eat and all this kind of stuff and kind of turned their noses up a little bit to it but a couple of months later, by the time Christmas had come around, she'd gone and baked me three different vegan dishes. Everyone's eating it. Everyone's enjoying it. And it was just that little mindset shift. Well, let's just give it a try. I like that idea too that like you don't, like someone wouldn't have to marry living that lifestyle. You could just date it, try it out for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, do all the research, test it out. But, and I like that idea too that what is good for good for me and like good for us as a people is probably also what's good for the planet as well. You know, we all are one people and we all are one planet. Um, so what is good for the whole is also good for the, the whole ecosystem and the whole planet and probably even beyond as well. Mm. Um, so I like that idea that, yeah, if we can yeah, look after ourselves, look after animals, that's also has to be what is, is good for the planet as well. Cause we all just are one, one big ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Absolutely. And I love that your mum got you that present, uh, a colonic. Oh, so what no. A, what, 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 what a mum you've got. <laughs> Can you imagine how embarrassed I felt when I turned up to this place, I got put into this little sauna, and, um, and then this young 19-year-old knocks on the door and says, we're ready for you. What have I got myself into? That was a two-way mirror, by the way, in there as well. They were all watching <laughs> 
Yes. Um, uh, so something yeah. else that that came to mind around, um, yeah, around our, our conversation today, I guess about the things that get us into like our, our highest states, you know, the things that get us into flow, the things we feel most connected to. Um, yeah, I guess I guess for myself, it is when I am at work and and solving problems. Um, so I guess, yeah, helping people, but also that solving a problem and where something was hard before to help to, to make it a lot easier. Um, certainly spending time in nature is also something for me. It just makes me come alive and also, yeah, it tends to relax me and make me kind of feel like I am in, in flow as well. Um, what, what are those some, some of those things for you that make you, I guess, come the most alive and um, feel most connected in life? Yeah, look, I think the thing that, comes to mind straight away for me is I love it when I take someone out of their comfort zone, help them to break down the boundaries to them performing something such as say coming out water skiing with me and just that ultimate joy on their face when they've said they can't do something and then they prove themselves wrong. I love, I love that feeling that it gives me inside to see them prove themselves wrong and overcome those, um, those limiting beliefs that they, that they had just five or 10 minutes earlier, or even, you know, when I put a, put a set of dumbbells in someone's hand and they're like, these are too heavy for me. I can't do this. And then that, um, that satisfaction and sense of achievement when, um, when they, when they pump them out and, uh, and feel so much stronger and, and, you know, better for it. Yeah. Yes, I think that's something I've definitely learned from yourself as well is that, yeah, that I'd been setting a lot of physical limitations on myself, um, whether that be with, with weights, whether that be with exercise, certainly with, with physical strength. And I'd say, you know, um, more than half the challenges we've gone and done together, I've, I've conquered that and, and gone further than I thought I could before. Mm. And some of that probably did relate back to the, the physical fatigue I had for, for those number of years and just coming back and feeling stronger, knowing that I can climb that mountain as we do now. And uh, obviously took, took me out surfing there a couple of weeks ago, got nowhere near riding a wave properly, but it felt good to just be out there, do something I'd never done. And I think that's yeah, one of the, the great strengths you've, yeah, and I guess gifts you've given to me and, and certainly with your clients as well to, yeah, break down those limitations and know that they, they can do so much more. Not, not being afraid to push the boundaries and, and, and push yourself through that pain as well. I think a lot of what stops people from getting great results when it comes to their fitness is they experience that, that pain of being breathless or uh, they may be experiencing some pain in their knees or their lower back. And obviously there's a smart way to train so that you don't exacerbate any existing problem. But when it comes to knees, for example, and something like squats or lunges, which is a very functional exercise that people do in everyday life, uh, a lot of people will steer away from doing those exercises because of that bit of pain that they feel in their knees or their lower back, for example, and yet by doing those exercises, what they're going to do is strengthen the muscles that support those joints or that area on their body. I know that, um, I know that Wendy, for example, a client of mine, when she first came to me, her lower back was in so much pain just doing the gardening for, for all of 10 minutes that she used to steer clear of doing so many different physical activities. And yet when she started training with me, I managed to get her through some of that pain in order to strengthen that area. And now it's phenomenal what that woman can achieve, you know? So, so Is it really a case of building up the muscles and the strength in that area. So if someone has got, or if I, even if I've got you know, some pains in the body, it's important for me to exercise with the, the muscles and areas close to that to actually build the strength up. Is that kind of the, I guess the mechanics of how that works? Well, look, if we're, if we're talking mechanics, there can be... Hopefully without too much detail. Is it? Yeah, um, I mean, there, there can be in areas there, that are yeah. tight and areas that are weak. And obviously it's, it's ensuring that you're stretching the areas that are tight and strengthening the areas that are weak. Um, the, the main aim is with a lower back issue these days not to lie in bed because it's only going to exacerbate 
the problem and make it feel worse. You know, with a, I know that, um, you know, my recommendations for a sore lower back is you get up in the morning and you have a hot shower, you go for a walk, you get that movement into that area that can immediately make it feel better for starters. And then something like a roller, which looks like that. And what you do is you lie on that and you actually are able to give yourself a massage and release some of those muscles. Uh, you know, that's something that you can buy for $35 uh, from your local Amart or, or Heart Sport or, you know, local sports store. And it's something you can use every day on top of your stretching and your walking and your hot shower to help that lower back, for example. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly very, very important to make sure that you are strengthening the muscles that support that area. So, yeah, we've, we've known or, or sort of I've known for many years that, you know, with, with sore knees or a lower back, it is definitely about strengthening and, um, and stretching those muscles and, and making sure that you're doing everything you can to make it as good as you can. Yeah. I think when I was yeah, coming back from the fatigue myself and went to a you know, personal development and empowerment program and we had to be we were exercising every morning as a part of the, the program, um, every push-up I would do, my elbows would just crack. And I thought, my arms aren't going to fall off, are they? <laughs> it, it had been so long since that they'd been worked out. But it was, yeah, through that pushing that we kind of yeah, had to do it. We were, it was a part of the program to, to get in there and and do it by the end I'm doing 30 40 and 50 push-ups um, over the course of the session and whereas before it was five and oh, I better stop because I thought it was actually going to damage that area um, so I guess yeah seeking that professional help and um, yeah anytime there's that those blocks there to really examine that whether that is actually true and I guess always to keep doing something keep, keep taking some positive action yeah definitely yeah so um yeah. What, um, what can you tell us about your business a little bit more, Jeremy? All oh, right. So that's the first thing that comes straight to mind is um, yeah, anytime we have something that is difficult or anytime something happens in our life that is hard um, to you know, very quickly look for the positive intention behind that. And I'll give a couple of examples. So if I did have a problem with, say, smoking marijuana, and I know that's something um, we've worked with, with with a couple of guys in the program. Um, and if we feel guilty about that, to actually not focus so much on it being bad and that we want to stop that habit or addiction, but start to actually look for what is the positive intention behind that. And I apply that for cigarettes, marijuana, alcohol, even things like anxiety and anger, and just look at what can that actually teach us um, as an example, with the marijuana, are we looking to just have a, a release in life? Are we looking to just relax? Are we looking just to feel like we can function better? Um, to actually look for the, the positive intention behind anything that happens that we might call negative and then seeing how we can get that need met from another source. Yeah. Um, and that also that any habit we do that is not healthy always causes the opposite. Um, this is only something I came across around 18 months, two years ago. And I'll say if we have comfort food, it gives us a bit of comfort in the moment, in, in that moment, but later on it makes us feel uncomfortable in the body, either with reflux or uncomfortable with our weight. Um, if I have sugar for pleasure or to give me an energy boost, it ends up draining my energy later and I feel like crap, like what used to happen when I had the fatigue. Um, smoking marijuana to feel high, the next day we feel low. Um, drinking alcohol to maybe try and solve a problem or get out of our head. And then we feel way worse the next day if we, if we get a hangover. And the final one and the one that I work with the most with people is with, with quitting smoking. If you smoke cigarettes to relieve stress, that they actually are the cause of the stress in your life. The, the physical stress, the stress of having to line up to buy them, financial stress, your partner having a go at you and your kids having a go at you, that stress having to mentally plan where you can smoke and when you can smoke and it goes on and on. And just to note any unhealthy habit you have, just notice where it actually causes the opposite of what you're looking for. And that can kind of bring things a bit more into balance about 
um, yeah, what, why you were doing it, but also that it's actually not working as well. So with the work I do, we really look to bring all of those pieces together, look at what's actually going on and, and what people are looking for, um, but then noticing yeah, how it's actually causing the opposite of that positive intention. Um, so the other thing we look at with the work I do as well is to see that um, any negative thought or any negative emotion is providing us with some kind of message, um, even pain or dysfunction in the body as well. You could say that no one deliberately decides to have anxiety, that it is something that comes from the deeper mind. And that would be true, wouldn't it? No one deliberately decides to have anger or, or decides to have anxiety. It's a bit, a bit of an un unconscious response. So if we treat that like a message and just have a look at where in our life do we need to find a bit more balance or where do, where do we need to find a bit more self-love or love for others, um, that can really help to turn some of those things around. Absolutely. So um, I think we need to wrap this up. It's been a great talk today, hasn't it? Yeah, thanks for having this, uh, this great chat with us. Looks like we're here getting into the last few minutes there. Um, so I guess, did you have any final thoughts yourself? Um, perhaps you want to share how people can get involved with the, the Super Dads program, um, perhaps the website, and if you've got a, your Facebook group there. Yeah, well, look, Super Dads Online on Facebook, we've actually got 1,550 dads in there now. And the amount of, uh, you know, support and encouragement and inspiration within that group is fantastic. So I'd encourage any of our listeners who are dads to do a search for Super Dads online on Facebook and add themselves to the closed group. And superdaduniversity.com is our brand new website where not only can you, uh, can you join for free and add yourself to some of the support groups which are in there for specific challenges that dads face, uh, but you can also take a course from Jeremy or myself or Adrian as our parenting and relationship expert or Wendy to assist with family budgets and finance. The, um, you know, the courses are there to purchase free, but what you'll actually find at superdaduniversity.com is a qualification form as well. And our, our greatest transformations for dads occur when they commit to the super dad program and there's a qualification form that they can fill out on that main page, superdaduniversity.com, which will ask them some questions and then that will qualify them to be part of the program. So if you're a, a mum watching this and you'd like your partner to be part of it, have a look at it and you can read about the coaches that are on the program and look at the courses uh, and encourage your partner to be part of it. If you're a dad listening to it, uh, listening to this today, then go to superdaduniversity.com and enroll yourself in the next Superdad program or take a course. Awesome. Thanks for that, Jared. I know they're going to get a lot of value in there. We offer yeah, heaps of free resources. That'll just be, uh, just be fantastic. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening today. Thanks, Jared. Um, you've been listening to Enlightened Conversations. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.